Every Arizona homeowner's best friend for 30 years. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the House. Be a nice morning to be saddled up, wouldn't it, bud? Yes, it would. Perfect time of day, too. That sun's oh. just creeping up over them mountains. That would be the Rincon Mountains. We're broadcasting live from the campus of the great U of A. What a beautiful morning. Well, you regular listeners of the show know it doesn't take very much to get Rosie in, about, and around anybody congregating and wanting to talk about books. So we got invited this year, the Arizona Daily Star, we publish an article in there every Sunday morning, called and said, hey, Rosie, uh, with your love of books, we got this thing going on down on the campus called the Tucson Festival of Books. And I thought, well, that's a quaint little event. Let's mosey on down the road and see what that's about i thought we'd see a couple hundred people maybe a couple thousand books folks if you haven't been to this i guess this is oh it's a young festival it's only 10 years old they fill the entire u of a mall with with vendors there's if there's thousands of books there's millions of books there's hundreds of vendors they're expecting to thousands of spectators this is absolutely amazing i'm going nuts most of you know jennifer has told you that when amazon was born i did have to take a second mortgage out on my house and i'm here this morning we've got a special guest joining one of the major sponsors of this event mr jim cook he's the ceo of the western national parks association mr cook i can't thank you enough for getting out here and joining us but you were going to be here anyway you were like one of the big sponsors your association indeed thank you it's great to be here with you now what is the western national parks association it sounds like a place i'd like to apply for a job <laughs> well you should okay it is a great organization <laughs> western national parks association was founded in 1938 okay. in casa grande ruins oh. one of the wonderful national monuments in the national park system and uh, we are an education partner of the National Park Service, and we achieve our mission through the publication of books and other educational products. Uh, we also offer programs and services for the visitors to the national parks, and we are um, formally uh, aff affiliated with 71 of the 417 national park units in the United States. Now, you're just CEO, just, you're CEO of the Western of Western National so Parks, so we're an independent nonprofit organization, and we serve 71 of the national park units in the West. And what's East and West? The Mississippi? Uh, more or less, yeah. yeah, yeah. So this sounds like a, a job that puts you in touch with a lot of authors. Correct. Put you on the road to see a lot of national parks. Yeah, it's such a bummer, man. <laughs> I'm Romy. How do they get these jobs? <laughs> it, it, it's like Robert Steve. And when holding at Arizona Highways. How do they get those jobs? <laughs> now, some tell me, are you chained to your desk or, or do you get out and you see the parks? You know, it's really difficult to unchain <laughs> myself to go visit the national parks. No, I'm, very, I'm very blessed. I'm, I'm lucky. And in fact, this year, 
to be accurate, in 2017, my uh, end of the sixth year of employment with Western National Parks Association, I have finally visited all the 71 parks that we work oh, with. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a real thrill. And the last one I visited was Navajo National Monument up in northern Arizona. Okay. And where where is that up? At- so if you know where Cayenta is, Cayenta, yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's just uh, a little north and a little west of Cayenta. Okay, and that is on the res. Uh, and in fact, I was a little wrong. It was a little south and a little west. So okay. it is on the uh, Navajo Indian Reservation, indeed. Okay, yeah. but it is a national park property. Correct. Yes. So we refer uh, here at WNPA um, to all our park partners generically as national parks. Technically, you might know that national parks have different designations. So uh, under the national park system, there might be a national park, there might be a national monument, national historic site, national recreational area, national seashore. There are about 30-some-odd designations, and they all have different significance. And you all only coordinate with the park? So we work with uh, all types of national park units. Yeah, they're they're referred as national park units. So uh, like I say, a lot of national monuments uh, of the Southwest, a lot of historic sites of the Southwest, but all under the national park system. And what's involved in making a national park? Well, generally, there's two ways that national parks are established, Um, and again, using the term generically, right? Um, The first is uh, through Congress, and and through an act of Congress, a site is established, and it has to meet a very high threshold of... of, um, of uh, reasons to establish the park. Uh, so they look at the historic, cultural, natural resource resources of that particular landscape. And um, they have to, uh, through due diligence, uh, state a case why a national park uh, should be established uh, to meet those high standards. So that's number one. Number two is through what is known as the Antiquities Act. Uh, that was uh, th- That act was established under... Uh, the administration of Teddy Roosevelt, famous conservationist. Were there any national parks prior to him? Oh yeah, there, oh, yeah. there were. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, okay. so, um, do you know which is the very first national park and who was president at that time? I don't. I, I would have guessed uh, Yosemite or Yellowstone and Teddy Roosevelt. Yep, that's 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 the the common <laughs> answer, but it's it's not the the truth. So, indeed, Yellowstone was the first national park, and okay. it was under President Grant. Wow! Right after the Civil War. So, interestingly, uh, our national park system goes back a very very long time, but there was not a national park service established until 1916. Okay. Yep. So that's 70 years. A hundred years. 40, 40, 40 or 50 years. We celebrated the centennial in, uh, oh, between the first park and, and, and yes, getting and, you're, and you're, staffing you're, it. You're right. So, so um, yeah, a big gap. And, you know, there's some interesting stories about how the parks were protected. Um, uh, a, a lesser known story is the fact that the U.S. Army, and in particular the Buffalo Soldiers, were um, assigned to protect the, some of these national parks in those early days. And if you're familiar with the Buffalo's sure. soldiers, uh, it was the African-American contingents, or, or uh, whatever the term is, uh, to uh, um, uh, uh, work in these parks. And that, that's an incredible story. I did not know it went back that far. 
And so y'all are headquartered. The Western National Park Association is headquartered right here in Tucson? Yes, we are. We, we've moved How around a bit. How did that happen? Well, so I can't tell you the, the, all the details, but um, so as I mentioned, we were founded in 1938 okay. uh, up the road at Casa Grande. Uh, we were uh, based there, and when we were established in 1938, uh, we were the very first nonprofit of this type to work with more than one national park unit. You're an NGO. You're, you're we a are non-governmental organization. Correct. Non-profit private? 501c3. Okay. And we were founded by some of the leaders here at the University of Arizona. Emil Howery, very famous, uh, the father of Southwestern archaeology is uh, what he's often referred to, um, and other scholars and researchers who are doing a lot of the work in the national parks and professionals from the National Park Service. It's and they recognized in these early days that the public, the visiting public, were coming and they were hungry for information. They, they wanted to know what was the history and the significance of these places. And so these, these types of associations like ours were beginning to be established to provide educational materials for the visiting public. Um, and so that was our genesis, and we've grown since then. Our headquarters moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico Ooh. at one point. Ooh, that would be nice. Very nice, <laughs> indeed. And then uh, for many years, we were in Globe, Arizona, which is quite interesting. Mm, that's an interesting Arizona. maneuver. Uh, and, and the reason was the National Park Service had a major archaeological research center based there, uh, along with, a, uh, with our headquarters. Um, a lot of a lot of the archaeological uh, artifacts were being studied at that time at that place. Since then, that research center has now become the Western Archaeological Conservation Center here in Tucson, okay. and that serves the entire Intermountain region. So about 98 parks uh, are supported by what we refer to as WAC, Western Archaeological Conservation Center here in Tucson. Okay, uh, and so. Uh, Going back to our headquarters, we ultimately moved our headquarters from Globe to Tucson in 1982. Okay. And we were downtown for 20 years. And then uh, in 2002, we built a beautiful facility up in Oro Valley uh, where we have uh, not only our administrative offices, uh, but we have a wonderful program there. So uh, we have a beautiful a store. Center we, yeah, basically, okay. yeah. It's a store and a program venue where we offer free programs. Every Wednesday and every Saturday, uh, we repeat the same program on a Wednesday, so noon and two, same on Saturday. And where is it? In so Oro? it's up in Oro Valley. From the from the Pump House Ranch? Uh, just north of there, actually. Okay. Yeah, so it's uh, just north of the Oro Valley Hospital. Okay. And we're sandwiched between uh, Ventana Medical Systems, uh, a very large um, research corporation, and they, they make... Uh, diagnostic uh, machines for cancer screening, uh, and uh, Sanofi Advantis. Uh, uh, so we're right in between those two facilities up in Oro Valley. And that's a visitor center that kind of orientates people to y'all's overall mission? Yes, indeed. Yeah, so we, don't, we, don't, we call it the National Park Store. Um, and uh, we do provide a lot of information about the, the resources in the region, uh, not exclusively to our national parks that we're affiliated with, but also to the other public lands uh, in the area. So the U.S. forest lands, the park service lands, state parks, etc. So I want to talk a little bit more. I understand you all do a lot of publishing, some curriculum material, learning tools, and those are... Uh, distributed and sold in in the stores and that's a revenue generator but i'm i'm interested i want to come back and talk after the break here about 
other ways y'all raise revenue because if if it's about educating kids about the grandeur of the great outdoors I want to be a part of that educational element. So I'm I'm very curious, other than the materials y'all are producing and selling, are there ways private citizens could get involved in your 501c3? We're here with Jim Cook, CEO of Western National Parks Association, on Rosie on the House. This is the National Park System Map and Guide. When you pull it open and look at the entire United States of America map, the Four Corners probably has the densest population (laughs) of any other one area. I mean, there's Georgia, Tennessee, around the Smokies may compete with that a little bit, top the Appalachians and Pennsylvania. But uh, overall, per state, the Four Corners, really. And this is probably there's nothing in. Oh, oh, there's one in Nevada. (laughs) Gray Basin. It is dense. Texas is surprisingly naked. Yeah. Look at that. You would think there'd be just at least something at the Alamo, and there's not. San Antonio. Yeah. We're here with huh. Mr. Jim Cook, the CEO of Western National Parks Association, a private nonprofit 501c3 with the mission of enhancing the visitor's experience in 71 national parks by providing educational products, programs, and services to help them appreciate the wonders of the national parks and help them appreciate these, the, the, really the crown jewels of America. So you're the CEO of this Western National Park Association. There's also an Eastern National Park Association? There sure is, yes. So uh, uh, there are about 60 associations like us in the United States. We're the second largest as measured by the number of park units that we work with. Eastern National is the largest as by the same measure. They're with about 150 park units in the east. Uh, then there are um, uh, a smattering of maybe 10 other associations that work with multiple park units. Okay. Uh, and then there are some large associations that work with a single park, like Grand Canyon Association, oh. uh, Yellowstone, Yosemite. So some of the parks the, command the, their own. Yeah, the, it's all about numbers and critical okay. mass. So the big parks that attract a lot of visitors, uh, those associations can survive on their own. So we tend to work with the medium to little tiny park units, uh, and those park units would not have a nonprofit support organization like ours uh, uh, unless there was someone like us. And and what I mean by that is we have um, what's referred to as economies of scale, where we can provide core services like payroll and banking and you know servicing these little units. Uh, that couldn't afford to uh, sustain themselves. So it's it's a it's a great uh, uh, okay. shared resource model is how we call it. Okay. Well, there is work involved. You know, a little <laughs> bit. You know, after my as soon as he said payroll, had to peel a few layers. Human back. resources. I thought, okay, oh, there's yeah. work involved. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, so as a five hundred one c three, y'all are publishing all these materials and the curriculum and the and the and and the things that y'all are distributing through the stores at many of these locations. Um, what what other are your what other sources of funding do y'all have? Well, uh, I will say first off, the major source of our revenue is through our retail program. So we operate the nonprofit bookstores in all 71 of those parks. Uh, the revenue comes in primarily through those means. Now, interestingly, only 30 of those stores generate 93. 
percent of our net income. Oh wow! Uh, so there's a lot of these stores that we operate uh, kind of on the margins every year, or actually okay. lose money every year. But we're here for the mission. So again, without us, there, a lot of visitors would not have these kinds of materials. And by the way, a lot of those materials are free. Uh, so we we work behind the scenes to help the parks develop these free things like a trail guide or a, a plant guide. Uh, a lot of things for kids, a junior ranger program, which we should talk about. That we should. Yeah, but the, should. The, to get back to your question, Rosie, the um, uh, the second means of revenue uh, are through membership. Uh, uh, we invite the public to join our mission and help us uh, support this broader mission of providing those enhanced experiences. Can I find that on y'all's website? Yes, you WNPA.org. WN, that's for Western National Parks Association dot org. I can become a, a contributing you member. You can become a proud member of WNPA, and uh, we also have a philanthropy or donor program. So we do have um, a gifts program where those dollars help us with our uh, educational uh, product development and, and services that we provide. Born at Casa Grande. But involved today at Canyon de Chez, Chiricahua, Coronado. Is it Fort Bowie or Fort Bowie? Bowie? Fort Bowie. <laughs> Fort Bowie. That's an interesting site. Have you been? Yes, I have. That's a great site. That's a great site. Describe yep. it to the listeners. Well, uh, it, it you know when I was a kid, when I went there for the first time, we you could just drive right up, yep. and, and uh, uh, it was uh, there was less infrastructure, and they they've done some great improvements there. And they now have you actually hike into the site. Uh, if I you, think that's awesome. If you have a disability or that's a problem for you, they do make uh, provisions for you to drive in. Uh, but they, they encourage this because you get a visceral sense of what it was like in the days when it was a military fort during the westward expansion and the Indian Wars. And... Uh, uh, so you get a sense of the nature, but also kind of a sense of what it might be as a soldier or uh, an American Indian uh, who uh, inhabited the area at that time. Beautiful corner of the state. Yeah, it really I, is. I, yeah, I love the, the southeast the, corner of the yeah, state. Yeah, Chiricahua's are oh, very special uh, mountains. How about Fort Hubble? Or not Fort Hubble, but the Hubble Trading Hubble Post. Hubble Trading Post is probably one of the most unique uh, national park units in the system. Uh, it was established by Congress in 1965. Uh, uh, Barry Goldwater was uh, a, a big part of that. Uh, the the man who's credited for you know what, Jim? Yeah. I got you on that, and I wasn't watching the clock. Okay, so we're going to come back and finish talking about Hubble Trading Post, the other parks in Arizona, the Junior Ranger Program, uh, and a whole lot more with Mr. Jim Cook, CEO of Western National Parks Association, broadcasting live from Tucson Festival of the Books. On a beautiful Arizona Saturday morning, we are standing on the lawn of the U of A Mall, broadcasting live at the Tucson Festival of Books, joined now with the luckiest man alive. <laughs> yeah, certainly, <laughs> certainly one in the top ten, the that's for sure. Best employed man alive, <laughs> Mr. Jim Cook of the Western National Parks Association, talking about, we were right in the middle of a conversation about describing the Hubble Trading Post up on, is it on? Indian Reservation on yes, Navajo land? Yes, the Navajo Indian Reservation. Yep. Yeah, so to continue my story, uh, this park was established in 1965 by Congress. 
um, the man who was responsible largely for uh, advocating for this place being established uh, was Ned Danson, uh, the father of Ted Danson, actually. Uh, okay. Right. Uh, he was the director. He's on, your, he's on your video. Yes, he is. <laughs> and he was part of our book festival okay. uh, celebrating our 75th anniversary oh, several, wow. five years ago. Yep. Okay. So um, uh, interesting story. So uh, Ned Danson was the director of the Museum of Northern Arizona, a famous museum. And uh, sure. he saw uh, and recognized the, rec- the significance of this site, this historic site, that was established by Don Lorenzo Hubble in 1878. Uh, he was an entrepreneur. He had trust of the Navajo people who had just been decimated by the long walk and the very aggressive uh, campaign against them by the U.S. Army and the U.S. government. Kind of a brave move on his part. It, uh, moving Mr. in what, Hubble, yeah. what could have been a very hostile neighborhood. Well, there, he, he grew up uh, speaking Navajo, actually. And, okay. and there, so there was a, a, a bond and a trust and a love of the Navajo people. And uh, he uh, uh, was a, quite an entrepreneur. At one time, he operated up to 24 trading posts across the West. Uh, and he was highly influential in um, the design and sales of Navajo rugs, particularly. So back in those days, uh, the rugs were predominantly something that were utilitarian and, and certainly symbolic and uh, significant in, in many ways. Uh, but, but at that time when the Navajo people had very little, the sheep were decimated, mm. uh, whatnot, um, uh, he helped create sort of a, 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 a trading opportunity. So these became products, um, and because of his entrepreneurship he was able to help create interest in in rugs for sale and so at that time people started to buy them and uh anyway so hubble trading post has been operated the trading post activities that is has been operated by us since it became a unit of the national park service and it's still there it is and the mandate was to uh maintain the uh uh, what they call the um, a traditional trading post. So it's not a, a, your typical historic site where you go and that's, it's that's a good. museum cool, and, yeah. and you look at artifacts. It really is still an active trading post. And y'all have actually rebuilt a, a recreation of it here at the, at the Tucson Book Festival, Yeah, right? so with our National Park Service partners, uh, we were able to secure a small grant to create some cool. uh, some backdrops that replicate the trading post. So people get a, a little better sense of what, what it's like. Well, like I say, anytime we can help ignite the fire in this generation, this young generation's enthusiasm over anything outside outdoors i'm all for it so y'all have the junior ranger program let's talk about that sure it's a wonderful program it's actually a a program of the national park service and we support that program a lot in different ways so uh when uh uh, families go to national parks a lot of the parks have a program and and what that means is um uh, the children are given uh, an activity booklet uh it's pretty simple and they learn uh in that process of going through those activities about the major significance of that particular park uh and after they complete that they get sworn in by a national park service ranger it's it's a big deal people applaud them usually afterwards yes and they earn a, a junior ranger badge uh, we support the program through, um, in, in many cases, helping develop those uh, fr- free publications or the activity booklets. So we publish those. 
we also create a lot of the um, the bling that go along with the whole program. So okay. you know the badges. Uh, we we create uh, really cool vests like what I'm holding up and showing you right now. The adventure vest. The, exactly. Room Junior for your Ranger. binoculars and your compass, your exactly. GPS, your maps. Yep. So all that stuff can go right on this vest. Uh, we have hats and science kits and a lot of other things. So it's, it's, it is a wonderful program, and that's one of our major fundraising campaign is to get more kids exposed to the Junior Ranger program. Western National Parks Association, born 1938, right here in Arizona at Casa Grande. Uh, was, the, was the structure already built? Protecting Casa Grande, it was. That yes. actually dates to the early 1900s. I remember. Uh, actually, I, if I if my facts are correct, um, yours are probably more correct than mine. Yeah, it was really <laughs> early 1900. Yeah, um, uh, and the the steel structure was a little later uh, af, uh, after the wooden one was established. When you tour Casa Grande and when you tour Pueblo Grande in Phoenix, it it's amazing to take the time to realize. How many people those rivers supported? Yeah. The population, I think, surprises a lot of people. Indeed, indeed, and there, there are probably lessons learned, or, or to be learned, still about um, how people on this planet um, uh, interact with nature and how the force of nature can be a major issue. Um, it is obviously very much part of our daily lives, and, and we, we we're not. Uh, always aware of that, you know, with our modern uh, conveniences, uh, we're, it's, it feels often like we're several steps away from nature. And so these national parks uh, provide an opportunity for a visceral, visceral experience uh, in, in, in nature, but also in history. And so, you know, there, there are opportunities there for us to learn as, as human beings uh, about, uh, about the forces of nature and, and uh, the impact of history. And and how it, how survivable it is here, uh, I'm I'm amazed, and I I have to go back to Casa Grande every once in a while just to review my my statistics. But the 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 mounds that are located basically basically from the Tucson area all up the I-10 corridor, both sides of the number of athletic mounds and arenas that were created back in the day that people would travel great distances to come see these games i mean it's just it it it's mind-boggling indeed and indeed. That, and you can still see an old arena or what's left of it that they had made out of dirt front at the castle grand yeah right it's and what what was that something in the neighborhood of 1300 that they that property vacated that's that's a story of masonry. I mean, that ring there was built by people with hands and mud that didn't have a water re- that had to trench a water resource from the Gila River, and it's still standing a thousand years later. Yeah, wow. it is. It is incredible. You were talking about at one point the Western National Park Association headquartering in Globe. You know that's a real hotbed of of early civilization. That yep. whole area back in there is just covered the Tonto, Tonto Monument yep. and then yep. back behind Roosevelt up Cherry Creek and Pueblo U of A's got a big archaeological yep. site up there. Pueblo Canyon up Cherry Creek and uh Coldwater Canyon. I mean just some beautifully you you hike up box canyons that end in waterfalls where both sides of the canyon are lined with one and two story remnants of these dwelling places. Absolutely 
beautiful places. Yep. Yeah, we're really blessed that uh, people in those early days had the wisdom to start protecting these places. Um, without that protection, uh, people would not uh, have the opportunity to actually go and see and experience it, experience these places. All right, Jim, last year you say you finally accomplished seeing all 71 of the National Park uh, units, affiliates that y'all are associated with, that you participate with. Of the 71, what would be the first one you'd go back to? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I, I would love to go back to Great Basin. Uh, Great Basin in Nevada. It's okay. a it's a magnificent national park. It has um, uh, significance because it tells the story of the natural phenomenon of the Great Basin. I learned so much about the Great Basin, um, the how the water uh, in that basin uh, doesn't flow to either uh, a major water course, either east or west. It it stays within that basin. Uh, so it's it's truly a natural phenomenon, um, and it's huge. Uh, it's a hu- most of Nevada is the Great Basin. So uh, geologically speaking, it's a it's a natural phenomenon, uh, but it's also just plain out beautiful. And one of the most amazing experiences is to be able to go up and touch the longest living organism on Earth. Uh, the the uh, uh, pine there the um, uh, gosh, uh, I'll remember it in a moment. Uh, yeah, as soon as we hit commercial break, yeah, it'll come back yes. to you. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's quite amazing. They, they live up to 5,000 years old. And so uh, you're, you're able to experience something that's uh, pretty there special. For a little while. That's neat. Yeah. And that's what part of Nevada is that? How would you get there from here? So the uh, you could either go up through Las Vegas and, and hug uh, the Nevada-Utah line. Uh, some people will go to Salt Lake City and, and access it from there. Um, uh, Ooh, y'all have a tab here, astronomy at the Great Basin. I bet I bet that's a pretty spectacular sky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in fact, they, <laughs> the, the road that leads there is called the loneliest road in the United States. And I'm going. That's, that's all I needed to hear. It's I'm true. going. It's true. Yeah, you're, you're between Br- Las Vegas and Salt Lake City and... There's nothing else on the map in between. Yep, bristlecone pine. That's the pine tree. Bristlecone pine. Lived and up to five thousand. Up to five thousand years old, and they occur uh, in that area, uh, and and uh, you'll see them as far west as California. So they do occur in California as well. So of the seventy-one, you'd be at Great Basin. I'd go back there in a heartbeat. Okay. Of course, I love them all. You know, we love all of our oh. children, and um, <laughs> they—they're all really very special. Every time I go to a, a, a park that I've not been to, uh, it exceeds my expectations always. There, there's a cave system there. Yes, the Layman Cave, a very famous cave. Uh, so there's that opportunity. Uh, there's a, a mountain peak uh, that uh, I climbed. Uh, it's uh, thirteen thousand plus feet, so it's it's a it's that's a, almost Flagstaff's height. Yeah, it's a it's a wonderful wonderful hike, um, and again that you'll you'll encounter the bristlecone pines up in there. That's awesome. Well, we're here. I didn't think anything in Nevada. Oh, when you say Great Basin, I, that's all I picture of Nevada <laughs> just flat, Con- <laughs> Con- concave. <laughs> We're here with Mr. Jim Cook, CEO of Western National Parks Association, broadcasting live from Tucson Festival of the Books. And I can tell you, 
wherever you're listening to us right now, from Page to Nogales, if you're a lover of books, head, pack your lunch, fill your car. You don't have to pack lunch. And well, you just to get here. There's oh, pl- there's plenty of food once you get here. <laughs> get in the car and get down to the U of A campus. You cannot miss it. There are hundreds of uh, vendors. There's literally millions of books. How many stages are here? There's got to be like eight or nine stages here with like hourly events everywhere. This is like one of those events that has so much going on, you'd have to come multiple years just to soak up quadrants of it. Indeed, indeed. So uh, while you're plugging the book festival we'll plug our uh national park experience pavilion and and we're going to do that as soon as we get back right here with mr jim cook of the western national parks association write the book Gary D. always finds that song that fits what we're up to. And what we're up to today is broadcasting live from the campus of the U of A for the Tucson Festival of Books, a ginormous event. I can't believe it only hit my radar screen this year. And third biggest in the country now in just a 10-year time frame. That that tells you that uh, not all's lost to the digital world. And Jennifer gave me the ca- credit card and she said she's not here <laughs> and the bed of my truck is empty we're gonna have to get stan start working on the blueprints to expand your library the library you're, you're library. out of room to put books at your house we're here with mr jim cook ceo of western national parks association who's a major sponsor of this festival which what did you say it's like one of the largest book festivals in it the is country? now the third largest in the country attracting over 130,000 people 130,000 people come over the two-day festival. <laughs> but That's incredible. Print is not dead. <laughs> print is not dead. Print Thank goodness. Print is not dead. Because we're a publisher, and we, we, we uh, enjoy selling books. That, that's absolutely awesome. Okay, so as a major sponsor, y'all have a whole quadrant little area set up over here just for Western National Park Association. Indeed. So we call it the National Park Experience Pavilion. Okay. It's located in front of the main library on the UVA Mall. And uh, within our compound, we have... Uh, uh, around 20 national parks from the area. Cool. Uh, well, throughout the the western region, I should say. Not just Arizona. Correct. Yeah, we have in. people okay. coming from as far as Texas and other locations. Okay. And uh, so we have rangers here in uniform and kids' activities, uh, uh, opportunities to learn about these parks. It's kind of cool because uh, we'll hear stories where after the book festival, people show up at some of these parks saying, hey, I learned about you at the, at the book festival. So it's, it's a great outreach program for us. We got, we've gotten involved from the very beginning. We, we uh, had a booth in, in the very first year, and by the second year, we became a major sponsor. And we do this because it's a great fit for us. As a, as a publisher for 80 years, uh, as an education, mission-driven organization, uh, we're able to provide a lot of outreach and support our national park partners uh, by providing this venue and uh, providing that opportunity for them to uh, interact with the public. Today and tomorrow, you can't beat the cost of admission. No, it's free. <laughs> it's free. It is abs- with over 350 authors and presenters. 
it's phenomenal. Incredible. It is phenomenal. All the major names uh, out there uh, uh, writing today, uh, lots of different publishers here. In our own pavilion, we have a lot of talks uh, 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 with the science and nature theme. Um, so it's an opportunity to, to hear authors speak and meet the authors, buy your book. Uh, and uh, we also have uh, the Hubble Trading Post. We were talking about that yes, earlier, yeah, how uh, yeah. we have a, um, a wonderful talk that our trader there, Edison Esquites, uh, talks about the significance of the rugs, the history of the rugs, um, and uh, demonstrates uh, a, a huge uh, selection of rugs and other um, products from the area. Mr. Jim Cook, CEO of Western National Parks Association. We've just met. We've talked by phone. We've just met today. This isn't the last time you're going to be on the program. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've had a great time today. Oh, gosh. This has absolutely been fantastic. I can't encourage you all enough. Throw the kids in the car. Get down to U of A. Literally, the entire mall is filled from uh, Old Main uh, all the way out to the library. Well, no, all the way out to Campbell, and they even got a concert set up down there for 5 o'clock tonight. All the way out to Campbell. Okay, yeah. I haven't been that far yet. Well, that's where vendor parking is. Yeah, I got the I got the walk this morning. <laughs> free free parking. Free, There's a lot of free parking, yes. A lot of free parking. Free admission. Get down to Uve. Wherever you're listening to us, you've got time. It is today and tomorrow. Opens at 10 o'clock today. A lot of people walking the walks and Kind of peeking now, behind the screens and the curtains already. I was on their website and it said nine thirty, but whatever. Okay, I, I thought ten. I did too, but I was on their website and I don't see it in the brochure. But whatever, it, they're not going to kick you out. It's an open mall; you can walk in anywhere. <laughs> That's right. Get a get a sneak preview. Get a sneak preview. All right, folks. This is the outdoor living segment of Rosen House coming up at eight o'clock. We've just finished the people, places, and things of Arizona. And I couldn't encourage you enough to get to our website, rosieonthehouse.com. It is the only place on the planet you can register to win an Arizona staycation. Sanderson Ford Motor Company in Glendale will provide you the brand new Ford vehicle of your choice off their demo lot to use for free. My wife throws a gas card in there so it doesn't cost you anything. And we package environments and we're currently we just finished Sedona, then we went to Sierra Vista and now we're going now the staycation I think is the, the Grand, Grand Canyon. Canyon. Yavapai Lodge. So it's fantastic. It's a free Arizona staycation only at rosiehouse.com. Get to the website, get registered. We empty all the names every month. You have a chance every month to win. <laughs>